So we are in our devoted series, and we're looking to increase our devotion to God. We're asking ourselves, how can I be more devoted to God in different areas of my life? And essentially what we're doing is looking at different things within our life to see if we can increase our devotion, if we can be more devoted to God in our finances, if we can be more devoted to God in our time. And so today, what we're talking about is, are you devoted to your love that you have for God? The time that you spend loving God and simply just reminding all of us how much God actually loves us. And so in John chapter 3, we find this all too familiar passage in verse 16 and a lot of the less known ones that come to follow. But John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they, do not have, they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Heavenly Father, as we've read your word and we come before you to learn more about you and learn more about your love that you have for us, may we return as much as we humanly can the love that you've given us back to you to make us more devoted to you. Lord, as I pray most every Sunday, I pray that you speak through me as you only know how and that you open up all of our hearts to receive the message that you've laid on my heart to present today. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. So there is one person aside from Jesus, so just making that clear, right? Jesus is still number one. But there's one person in this world that I am more devoted to than anyone else. And if you remember from a few weeks ago, when I talk about devoted, I mean devotion is coming from a loving standpoint, whereas commitment is just a decision. It's just based on decision, but devotion is solely based on love. And so there's one person that I'm devoted for or devoted to more than anyone else, and that's my wife. Now you can see that she's not here because she's been working. And so I didn't get paid to say that. I mean, she might watch it back, but you know, um, but I'm more devoted to her than anyone else because when I married Chloe, I left my family to start a family with her. And she did the same thing, a little bit more literally than I did since I came back home to pool, but she left her home so that we could start a family together. And so it's natural that we should be more devoted to each other than anyone else in the world. And actually, biblically, this is true too, because once you get married, the two become one. And so we biblically should be more devoted to each other. And we are, but it wasn't always that way. 
what I mean by that is before we were married, we were engaged. Before we were engaged, we were dating. Before we were dating, we had no idea who each other were, right? We didn't know who, who we were. And so once we started talking the second time, right? The first time, if you want to hear the story, she loves to tell you the story about how I broke her heart. But I'll leave that for her. I'm going to tell you, I, I made things right the second time that we started talking. So uh, a little bit about me. I'm going to be a little bit just open with you. I was not smooth at all with the ladies, ever. Now, I joke about it. I say that I was smooth, but it's all a joke because I know that I wasn't. I was not smooth at all. Like, it, it amazes me that Chloe liked me. Like, that, that's how unsmooth I was with things. But here's the thing that, that separated me from other guys and other people, and this is probably why I didn't have very much success with dating, is because, one, when I dated, I had the intention to marry. And so I, I was very careful on who I opened up to when it came to a romantic relationship because I, I intended to, to kind of practice marriage, but not like too far practicing marriage, right? So it's not like practicing marriage. I've said too much. So, <laughs> how do I get out of this one? So anyways... I had the intention to marry. That was my intention. Now, we never crossed any lines, but we, we intended to marry. And so already, I wasn't dating just for fun. That's what I'm trying to get at. I'm not, I wasn't dating just for fun. There was a purpose behind it. And I don't like to waste my time. And I don't like to waste God's time that he gave me. Now, do I still waste time sometimes? Absolutely, I do, because I'm human. You know, you can all forgive me. He forgives me. We've talked about it a lot. But... I don't like to waste time. And so when it came to a romantic type of relationship, I hated the talking phase. Now, if you don't know what this talking phase is, it's we're dating, but we're not dating. We, we're, in a, we're romantically involved with each other, but we don't want to put a label on it yet because we don't like labels. Like this is my generation <laughs> that we're talking about right now. We don't like the labels. So we're, you know, we're, we're talking so that way, if, if she ends up being crazy or he ends up being crazy, then I can back out of it and say, I never dated that person. You dated him. You just said that you were talking. So this was the talk. I didn't like that. I didn't like playing all of those games. And so when it came to me having feelings for someone else, I was very straightforward, which was already a no-no. Like in any type of, like I was just straightforward. Once I felt like we could move on, to a dating phase, I was straightforward with it. And it turned off a lot of people. And I'm fine with it because I married the woman of my dreams. So like, I, I'm good with it. She saw something in me that I didn't see and no one else saw, but she saw it. And so uh, she married me. But the second time that we started talking, we, you know, we're in this talking phase. And, and so I, I just straight up asked her, once I felt like this could move into something deeper, I said, I'm looking to, to spend the rest of my life with someone. And so I'm, I'm not playing around. Do you like like me? Now, the like-like phase is even more annoying 
But it's so true when you're a teenager dating. Like, it's so true. You don't want to say that you love them. You do, but you don't want to say it, so you say, I like like you, right? <laughs> so I said, do you like like me? And I'll never forget her response. Probably because I broke her heart the first time. And, and I didn't know this would ever show up in a sermon. But she said, I don't know if I can like like someone if, they don't, if I don't know that they like like me back. Now, that's a lot of likes. Basically, what she was saying is, I don't know if I can love someone if I don't know that they love me back. Now, honestly, that was her way of going around the question so that I would present my feelings first <laughs> so then she could know. But I think it applies to our life, too, because there are it, it's very true. We don't know if we can love someone until we know that we're loved back. It's just our natural response to love. We want to feel love before we express love. And oftentimes that's what makes our Christian walk so difficult because we are told to express love and expect to not receive love. And I think we can do this to God too. Have you ever had moments in your life where you felt like God didn't love you? That God wasn't there? You heard sermons like this where we're talking about the love of God, but you don't feel like he's loving you. You're like, man, you should see my finances. It doesn't seem like God's blessing me at all. It doesn't seem like he has any love for me. You should see my broken relationships. It doesn't seem like God actually loves me because if he did, then he would mend these relationships and everything would be going perfectly fine. And I know it can be hard to hear that God loves you when you don't feel like it. And so what, I'm, what I hope to do and what I've been praying this week to do for you is that you feel a little bit of that love today. A little bit of that love for God because how can you devote yourself to someone who doesn't seem like they're devoting themselves to you? And so I know that you know the scripture, John three sixteen. everyone knows it. Everyone seems to know it at least. Now, I can't say everyone because I watched a video, of course, this morning when I, was, I had my notes. Everyone knows John 3.16. No, not everyone knows John 3.16. And I was watching this video of someone that's not important. I, you can talk, about, talk to me later about it. It's not important. I'm not going to waste my time on that. But anyways, John 3.16 is probably the most famous Bible verse in the world especially in the United States. If you go up to someone, you ask for a Bible verse, they might not be able to quote it to you, but they can tell you, oh, I think John 3.16 is one, right? I mean, they might also tell you that uh, Jude chapter 3 is one too, which isn't true, but like the, they know John 3.16 says something about the love of God. And it's because it's so popularized. We all love to hear about how God loves us. And so uh, I know some of you, you read the NIV and you're like, man, I wish you would have picked the King James Version. Me too. But it is what it is. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life, depending on which King James you got. So we all know this. We all hear it all the time. God loves me. He gave his only son for me so that I could have eternal life. 
so that I could have everlasting life. And if you're somewhat religious, you tag along verse 17. You're like, I don't know. I don't just know verse 16. I know 17 too. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so now we've got 16 and 17, if you're just slightly more religious than the other people. And so now I want you to hear this because this is probably similar to how the world hears it. God loves me. He sent his son for me so that I could have eternal life. And he came not to condemn me, but to save me. And so it's all about me. It's all about how much God loves me. And even though that is love, and he does love you like that, and there's a reason that John wrote this in here, so many people are missing out on the full picture of love that God actually has for us. Even Christians, we stop at that. We say John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. That's love. He could have condemned us, but he didn't. He came to save us. That's love. But if we base the love of God just on those two verses, then you can conclude that everyone's okay as long as you believe. And even saying believe varies between person to person. For Christians who have been walking in Christ for a while, believe means trust to have faith in, to devote ourselves to. But to other people, believe just might be, I, I think God's, uh, God exists. I believe that there's a, a higher power. I think that there is something up there, you know, kind of orchestrating everything. And sure, I'll put the label of God on it. And then they read this verse, they hear this verse, and they're like, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loves me. He gave his only son so that you could have eternal life. For all who believe, well, I, I think that God's real, so I guess I'm okay. And so when I sin, God clearly says in verse 17, the son didn't come to condemn me. And so I, there's no condemnation on me, only salvation. And so when, we, when you conclude that everything's okay, it means every time that I sin, all I have to do is just believe a little bit more that God is there and that he still loves me despite my sin. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter how much time I devote to God because God loves me. I'm okay because I believe. And if you've walked with Christ for long enough, you know that there is so much more to following Christ than just simply saying that you believe without walking it. You see, this is a daily choice to live in the light versus living in the darkness. And this is why John continues. In verse 18 and 19, he says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Light meaning Jesus. Jesus has come into the world, but the people love the darkness instead of the light, instead of Christ, because their deeds were evil. Wait, so if God loves us so much that he would send his son, then why do, are there people in this world that will have eternal punishment when they leave, when they die? 
If God is so loving and if they say that they believed Christ, isn't that good enough? Isn't that good enough that God says that he loved them and they said that they believed? So why is it that they may still inherit the kingdom of darkness? That they might inherit an eternal punishment, an eternal suffering. Well, it says right here in John 3. It says it in other places too, but in John 3 it says it. The Son came into the world to save us and we rejected him. Light came in and we chose darkness. Jesus came to save us. Yet we still saw him. We saw his miracles. We, we experienced, we read about it. We know exactly what he's done in all of our lives. And we still chose the darkness instead. We said, no, Jesus, I don't want your salvation. I want my own desires. He gave us the light and we chose the darkness. Now, I don't know much about having kids since I don't have any. I'll learn eventually, right? So, and then these will be completely different sermons because I'll talk about the, the little terrorists running around my, my house. But, but I don't have kids, but I do know how my parents were with me. And so this is all I have to go off of, how my, my parents, who I consider were good parents, how they were when they treated me. If someone hurt me, they were all over it, all over it, especially mom. Now, mom, we, we always joke with her, but it's very, very true. She has these things called mama bear claws that we call them, and they come out all the time, right? All the time. In fact, uh, this past week, I was telling her about something that happened in my life, and I could just see it in her face, the claws coming out of her eyeballs when she was like, really? They said that to you? And it's like, you know, you could just feel the tension over FaceTime, and I'm like, it, it's okay. It's, it's fine. But she has these, and she had them then. She still has them now. But when I would tell her about someone who would wrong me, when I would tell her about someone who would slander my name, who would do some evil against me. I mean, she would attack, just like, <laughs> ready, just, all, just off the cuff. And like, I guarantee that she still hasn't forgotten what I told her this past week. She probably still hasn't forgotten things I told her years ago about certain people. And so she's still going back. And whenever she watches this back, she's going to be like, oh, I remember in third grade when that person just, you know, like, that's just how my mom is. And so she has these claws, and we have to, like, get her to retract them back into, her, <laughs> into herself. But if God sent his one and only son, don't you think that those who refused his gift, slandered his name, and rejected him would experience some type of punishment? We can talk all day long about how a God so loving shouldn't be able to and no one deserves eternal punishment, but we all rejected his son, his only son. And so if he is truly a good father that we like to call him, there's going to be some punishment. There's going to be some retaliation. And that's why there's so many times in scripture that we read that when someone wrongs you, don't do anything about it because God's got it. God's taking care of it. Now, God still loves them, and if they repent, then there won't be any punishment for them because they've righted their wrongs because of Christ. But until that day, there is a punishment coming for them. 
And that's why God often tells us, don't seek out revenge. Let me handle it. Let me take care of it for you. For I'm your good father. See, we all had the option for light. And at times in our life, we all chose the darkness. We choose sin. Sometimes even unknowingly, we choose darkness simply because darkness brings us comfort and temporary happiness. And in John chapter 20, or chapter 3, verse 20, he says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. If you've been following Christ and you have this desire to see people saved, you have to also understand that there is a real fear. No one's going to admit it, and most people don't even know about it, but there's a real fear that when you step into the light, everyone's going to see your darkness. And for some, that's true. For you, that's definitely true. Whenever you step into the light, there's going to be some darkness that's revealed. And it scares people. Because they're like, wow, if, if that person knew what I actually did, they would never be my friend. They would, would want to kick me out of the family. And if people started figuring out, man, my, my, my reputation would be gone. I might lose my job over this. I might lose some things in my life. And so there's a fear that when we step into the light, that our darkness will be revealed and Satan wants to keep you in that fear. He wants you to stay there because for as long as you stay there, he has control over that area of your life. And so maybe it's your finances, you invested or you bought something that you shouldn't have bought. And so you are afraid that someone's gonna find out that you actually purchased that. Or maybe it's a, a sin in your life, a temptation. You, you gave into a temptation. You're like, if someone figures this out, then I won't have my reputation as a clean cut, good, innocent Christian. And that's going to ruin how people see me. But actually what happens is that, yes, there will be relationships that will be broken. In some cases, there will be things that will come out and it will hurt people. But that's where God thrives. Because when you let your darkness into the light, when you drag your darkness into the light, he shines light into it so that that becomes a light in your testimony. To where it's no longer, I did this thing and, and I got to hold on and I got to hide it and, and I'm struggling with it and I'm trying to get rid of it, but it, it won't. And the only way that you can get rid of it is if you shine some light into it. That's a, that's a completely different sermon. But we, we hold on to it and we think that if, as long as we keep this dark, everyone will be okay. As long as I keep this dark, it will eventually fade out. That this darkness won't control me anymore because it will eventually just leave and then I won't ever have to show this ever again. But that's not true. Because Satan wants you to hold on to it. He says, no, keep holding on to it. Don't let any light into it. Just, just hold on to it. Eventually, it will leave. But he knows, since he's the father of lies, it will never leave you until you shine light into it. 
And so he, what, what God is saying is drag it into the light. Just shine some light on it. And then what became something that you wanted to hide is now becoming something and your greatest witness for Christ and his love and his mercy and his grace. It becomes one of the greater lights in your life. There's a real fear that when you get closer to God, your sins will be revealed to everyone. And there is some truth to that. But there's a fear. Sometimes there's even a fear that God's going to find some things in me that I didn't know I even struggled with. And I don't want to find out what those things are. Because if I don't know, I'm not held accountable for it. That's what we think. But the truth is, the closer that you get to God the more that he reveals the wrong in you and the more that you have to work on yourself to fight for holiness. In verse 21, it said, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been in the sight of God. Listen, if you want to be more devoted to God, you have to first look into your own darkness and drag it into the light. Because if you're holding on to some darkness, you're not allowing God into all of your life. And so how can you fully be devoted to him if you're holding back on your devotion? You can't. You cannot have the light and still hold on to the darkness. You can't do both. Right? As Revelation says, you can't serve two masters. You're either filled by the love of God and you're filled up with all of the light or you have all these pockets of darkness. And you're trying to hold on to them, drag them into the light. Some of the darkness, you don't even know that it's there. The closer you get to God and the more devoted you are to God because of your love for him, you will continue, he will continue to reveal those things and then it's your choice. Do I work on it? and become more holy, and become more devoted, and I work, and I, and I train my spirit to be more holy in dif these different situations, and, and to have more light into my life, or do I hold on to this darkness, driven by fear? See, I told you that I was going to try and, and let you feel a little bit of God's love. And I think one of, the, one of the better ways, and this just kind of came to me this week, it doesn't always work with scriptures, so this isn't just like a rule that you have to do this. But I looked at John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, and I was, I was reading and reading and reading. I decided I'm just going to read it backwards. I'm going to read it backwards and see what the message is when I read it in reverse. Now, you can do this a lot with the Psalms because of the way that they're structured. I've never done it with this type of passage before. But let me tell you this love that God has for you. That even though it was so plainly seen that what we did that was evil was done right in the sight of God. That everyone, uh, all of our actions, every evil that we did was, was hating the light. And we, for a time chose not to come into the light for fear that our deeds would be exposed. Light came into the world, and we loved the darkness instead of the light because we were evil. 
and we stood condemned because we didn't believe in the name of God. But now, those who do believe, we who believe in him, we don't stand condemned. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but to save us. And it's because he loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It goes back to Romans 5.8. While we were still sinners, while we were doing these evil things right in the sight of God, Christ still died for us. He still died for you to save you. He still died to, for me to save me. This is the love that God has for you. So be more devoted to him. Because you are his children. Since you bear the image of Christ, when you believe in Christ and you devote your life to Christ, when you bear his image, when you bear his name, you become his child. And so he will protect you just like a good father protects his child. Just like a good mother protects her child. Know that you're loved by God. Feel it because it's true. While we were still sinners, Christ still died to save us from the darkness and to bring us into the light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time. Lord, we are so blessed that you love us so much that even though we were so broken and, and so filled with sin, you still came and you still lived and you still loved us so much that you would take our place on the cross to forgive our sins. And so, Lord, I just ask that each and every one of us as we leave and we go about our day, that every single one of us, we look and we look into our own life and we're like, how can I be more devoted to God? Well, what darkness is holding me back? Because I know that you love me. And I know that it pleases you to see us give up our darkness and shine some light into it. Lord, I, I pray for your blessing over all of us as we go and we share your word and we share your love. May you constantly remind us that you do love us, even when it doesn't feel like it. You still love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.